Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you joining us today. Coming to you again today from Legacy Church here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, where God is doing good things, great things are happening, and greater things are yet to come. We give God all the thanks and all the praise for everything He's doing in our lives, in the lives of this church family, and in you, our partners. We've got a growing and global partner family, and we are so thankful that the Lord has put us together. And the power of partnership is something that even over 10 years into our own ministry now, we still marvel at the power of partnership and what it does, not just for us, but for our partners and how we're connected together and hooked together and believe in God together for, to, to see great things in our lives. And that's what we're declaring over you today, that our good God would do good things in your life and that you would give him all the praise and the glory for it. In just a moment, uh, I'm going to show you some of these glory stories. You're saying, what's a glory story? Well, if, you, if you're not familiar with this, this is some time we take here in service at Legacy Church just to give reports of the good things our good God is doing in the lives of this church family and like I said, our partner family as well. So when the Lord does something for you, uh, when it's marvelous and miraculous and you say like the people of scripture, he does all things well, you praise him and you worship him. But part of that praise and worship and thanks is to write it down and, in, and send it to us because we, in turn, share those stories with our church and then here on Legacy TV. And we want to give you the opportunity to share your story because what God's done in your life is designed to not just be a blessing to you, but to stir faith in other people so that when they hear it, they say, God will do that same thing for me. And they get excited about it. So send us your glory story. I've got an email address right now at the bottom of your screen. Use that email address. Send it to us. And give us the opportunity to share it with the other people. In just a moment, like I said, we want to share some of these glory stories with you. But I want to also take you into a new series that we're beginning on the broadcast today. Here in our church, we've been talking about the glory of God. The fire and the glory. What is that? The power and the presence of God. And we're going to dig into this together today on this broadcast. And we're going to have a powerful time in the word of God together. And so I want you to be ready. Open your heart, open your eyes, your ears, your mind, and get ready to receive some good things from him. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And while you're looking for 2 Corinthians 4, I want to read something to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. This uh, is the account of when Solomon, King Solomon had stood up when the temple was finished and had been completed, the construction was done. And as you read through the chapters leading up to that, you see that uh, mentioned a couple of times when the work was finished, when the labor was finished. God's big on you and I finishing. It's like we prayed just a moment ago. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Finishing to him is a big deal. Why? Because anybody can start something. Do you hear me? Anybody can start something. Finishing is what impresses God. Staying with it. Sticking to it. I can start a marathon. Man, I could start one right now, as a matter of fact. But finishing one is a whole other story. Finishing. 
And that's why uh, when Paul came to the end of his life, what did he say? I have fought the good fight. In other words, you could say, I, I fought and I was good at it. He said, I have finished my race. I have kept my faith. What's big to God is not just starting something, but staying with it. Endurance. Somebody say endurance. endurance. That's big to him. And the Bible says you have need of it. Other translations there in the book of Hebrews chapter, chapter 10 say you have need of patience. Others say you have need of endurance. That's what patience is. Faith is believing. Patience is continuing to believe. Anybody can start all excited in faith, but what about tomorrow and the next day and next week and next year and 10 years from now, huh? What about when God says, I have called you the father of many nations and a year later, you still got no kids. And three years later, you still got no kids. And five years and eight years and nine years later, you still got no kids. And the whole time he's calling you father of many nations. Well, you can get excited about that nine years ago, but it's another thing entirely to stay excited, to stay in faith. That's endurance. And when uh, Solomon stood up here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 to pray because the work was done, they had finished their building project, so to speak. You look at it, and it was a 10-plus-year project. And it takes endurance to stick with something that long. But like I said, God's big on people finishing. And you see that here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down. <laughs> fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Notice this. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Would you say that last line with me? Say it. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord. Why? Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, say this with me, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. This prayer and what we just read that came at the end of that prayer was the prayer of dedication. They had finished the work and it was time to dedicate this thing to God and to his glory. And God responded to that prayer in a big way. What happened? Fire came down and consumed that offering. God came in person to pick up his offering that day. Fire came and consumed the offering, but it wasn't just the fire. What else was it? The glory. The glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Like we've already talked about quite a bit today, we are pressing right now towards dedication weekend and the dedication and the consecration and the separation of Legacy Church. Dedicating it to God, dedicating it to his plan, to his call and to his purpose and to his alone. This isn't our place, so to speak. It's his. This is his house. And if there's anybody we want to come to church, it's him. And I believe the Lord gave me something that you and I are supposed to focus on together for the next several weeks leading up to the dedication of this place. 
Sarah and I took the kids away uh, for a little trip while they were on spring break last week. And as we were driving home, it was quiet, at least in the front seat. And uh, I was just praying in the spirit over church this weekend and the coming weeks and just asking the Lord what direction he wanted to go. And I had some things on my mind and I didn't get it exactly that day, but that was Friday. I believe I went to bed that night and woke up early Saturday morning from a dream. And I never had a dream like this before, but I believe the Lord gave me the title, if you will, of our series over the next several weeks in that dream. I saw myself preaching it to you. I've never experienced that before. But he said, I want you to call it the fire and the glory. The fire and the glory. Somebody say it. The fire and the glory. I can't even tell you that I know what all that means, but those are the words that I heard. I do know this, that even though we're reading an Old Testament scripture here, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament still calls our God a consuming fire. The fire and the glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to read with me in verse 7. It says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, when he said earthen vessel, if you look these words up, he's literally talking about a cheap clay pot, earthen, dirt, clay. And he says, we've got a treasure in a, in a cheap clay pot. Let me see the hands of all the earthen vessels in here this morning. That's what you are. That's what you and I are. And if nothing else in the flesh, this body, it's a cheap clay pot. In other, in other words, there's nothing so special about what's on the outside. But what he said was, we have a treasure in the vessel. What's precious and what's valuable is not the vessel itself, it's what's in it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. I think, um, is it the King James Bible that says we are pressed? Other translations say we are pressured, I think. And that's what it's talking about. Being hard pressed on every side. It's just talking about pressure. Anybody in here know a thing or two about pressure? Ever been under any pressure in your life? Ever experienced any pressure? Any, any relational pressure? Any financial pressure? Any physical pressure from pain or sickness in the body? Any pressure at work? Anybody ever had any pressure at work? Pressure at home? Pressure at school? Pressure in the ministry? Yeah, we, we know a thing or two, don't we? We earthen vessels know a thing or two about being pressed. But what did he say? On every side. What is that? That is equal and increasing and intensifying pressure coming at you from every side. Now, we've all experienced pressure from one place or in one, or in one thing or another, but we've probably, I bet if I interviewed some, I could find those who, who know exactly what he's talking about. It just felt like pressure from every side. It felt like pressure at work and pressure at home and pressure in the finances and pressure in the family. It just felt like pressure on every side and it just seemed like there was no escaping it. Now let me ask you, what happens if you take a cheap clay pot and you start pressing that thing on every side? 
And you just keep pressing and you keep pressing and you keep pressing. Eventually, what will happen? It'll break. But Paul wrote and said by the Spirit of God, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Now, how do you explain that? If all we are is cheap clay pots, you press this, this, this clay pot on every side and you just keep pressing and pressing and pressing, that thing is eventually going to be crushed. But Paul said, even though we are earthen vessels, we're not crushed. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. Here you're finding one of the things that is supposed to define us as believers. Everybody in this world goes through the pressure. But when the rest of this world is crushed, you're not. So we got to find out what is it that's going to keep this cheap clay pot from being crushed. Hold your place here in 2 Corinthians because we're going to come back to it. But go back to the book of Exodus with me. The Lord's allowed me to preach on these things a few times, and I love it, I love it, I love it. Some people do drugs. I preach this message. (laughs) Go back to Exodus 33. You may be familiar with what's happening in these verses, but we're going to talk about a man named Moses. Now help me out. Those of you who are steeped in Bible knowledge, is Exodus in the Old Testament or new? Is Moses an Old Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Old. We're reading in the Old Testament. And um, here in chapter 33, it's kind of funny, honestly, looking back at it. In the beginning, I'll paraphrase, God told Moses, he said, look, you go. You take these people who, he even said it like this, who you brought out. (laughs) These people who you brought out of Egypt, you go to the land I told you you could have. But then he said, I'm not going with you because these people are a stiff necked people. We might use the word hard headed. And some people just think of that as part of their personality. But if it is part of your personality, get rid of it. God was not okay with a bunch of hard-headed, hard-hearted, stiff-necked people who would not just do what he said to do. And because they were so stubborn, he said, I'm not going with you. You can go, that's fine, but I am not going with you. And he said, if I go with you, I might just end up consuming you. Remember that consuming fire we were talking about just a minute ago? He literally said it. If I go, I'm probably just going to just wipe you all out. He got so frustrated with these people. But in uh, verse 12, well, if you were to back up, you would see in verse 11 that, or in, in the verses before, Moses had set up a tent and he called it the tent of meeting where God would come in the cloud and he would speak to Moses. And it's interesting, the Bible uses... Uh, An interesting phrase here in verse 11 of Exodus 33, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Uh, You need to make note of that because I think those words alone kind of paint a picture that you're going to see here in a moment aren't maybe what you think of it as. But suffice it to say, God would come in the cloud. You remember that cloud that he'd lead the people with? Well, he'd come in that same cloud and he would come to that tent of meeting And he and Moses would stand there and talk. 
And it was at that tent and from that cloud, from within that cloud that God said, I ain't going with you. You go, fine, but I ain't going with you. And you can see here that Moses really did talk to God like a man talks to his friend. Because he said to him in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, see, or you could say, now look. Isn't that what see means? Look. Look, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I know you by name and you have found grace in my sight. Moses is a bold dude. And he's about to have a moment. Moses is having a moment with God. And what he's doing is he is taking God's own words and shoving them back in God's face. And he said, look, you tell me to take these people, but you, didn't, you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. And yet you tell me you know me by name. And notice these words. You said, I have found grace in your sight. Now help me out again. Are we in the Old Testament or new? Is Moses an Old Testament dude or new? He's old. Now listen to this though. God has spoken to him already and said to him, I know you by your name and you have found grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. In my sight. Now you and I live over here on this side, right? We live over here on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And you and I live in what the Bible refers to as the day and the age of grace. It's a new dispensation. If you will, there are new rules. (laughs) Everything changed. So when I look at this Old Testament account and listen to this Old Testament guy, it makes me wonder, what are you doing with my grace? What's this guy doing with my grace? I'm the one who gets the grace, right? Because I'm the believer in Jesus. I'm the believer in the finished work. I'm the one who's repented and received forgiveness. I'm the one who's been washed in the blood. I'm the one who gets the grace. What are you doing with my grace? See, Moses found something. He found that grace is found in one place. God said, you found it in my sight. Or in other words, in knowing how he sees you. He found the grace. He said, you haven't told me who you're going to send. And yet you, it's like Moses saying, you talk all this talk about me finding grace. And now you're telling me you're not going. In verse 14, God said to him, I'll paraphrase, fine. (laughs) My presence will go with you. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Time out. I thought we were the ones who were never left and never forsaken. And we were the ones who got the presence of God going with us through the Holy Spirit everywhere we went. And yet God speaks to this Old Testament guy and says, not only has he found the grace, but now he's got the ever presence of God going with him. And to make matters worse, he says to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I thought we were the ones. Does this make anybody else a little mad? What's he doing with our grace? What's he doing with the presence of God going with him? What's he doing with the rest that belongs to us who have come to Jesus? Because he said, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 
what you doing with my rest, Moses? Let me tell you what's happening here. This Old Testament dude is flirting with a New Testament God. He's walking a fine line between the old and new. And he is coming dangerously close to a New Testament experience. And the truth is, I think he can feel it. Because he says in verse 15, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even bother bringing us out of here. Is this how a man talks to his friend? If you ain't going, we ain't going. If you're not going with me, I'm not going at all. Boldness. He said in verse 16, how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. He's saying this is what makes us different from everybody else. If you don't go, we're just like everybody else. If we don't have your grace, we are just like everybody else. If we don't have your presence, we are just like everybody else. No difference between us and them. If we don't have your rest, we are just like everybody else in this world. And the Lord said to him in verse 17, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Moses is having a moment. And I think you can sense it because this conversa conversation started off a few minutes ago with God going, y'all go, but I ain't going. I will flat burn these people to a crisp. I'm not going. And in just a short conversation, Moses has said, if you're not going, we're not going. What about the grace? And God says, okay, fine. You found grace. And he says, well, if you don't bring us up, how will people know we belong to you? And God says, fine, I'll go with you. And he says, fine, I'll give you rest from your labor. And I think, I think Moses can sense the momentum that's decidedly in his favor. He's getting everything he's asking for, isn't he? I mean, can we agree on that? He has just changed the mind of God. And he's getting it all. And Moses, I think, is standing there going, okay, okay, okay. I got the grace. I got his presence. I've got his rest. He's going with me. And I think he says to himself, I'm going for it. I'm going all in. And you know what he shouted out in verse 18? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Now, the Bible doesn't record awkward silences. But I think if it did, there'd be one right there. Because God looked back at him and essentially said, no. What did he say to him? He said to him in verse 20, you cannot see my face. So evidently that's where the glory is, is in his face. He said, you can't see my face for no man shall see me and live. Moses said, show me your glory. And God said, I could show you, but then I'd have to kill you. 
because no man can see me. You can't see my face and live. Show me your glory. I got his grace. I got his presence. I've got his rest. I want the glory. Show me your glory. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.